Hello, superstar friends. Welcome to Starfield Pulse, the Settled Systems number one podcast. Not Starfield podcast, just podcast. I'm calling it. I'm putting my stake in the ground. Anyways, I'm your host, Rob. Thanks for stopping in. I know there are tons of other live podcasts you can go watch, but you chose to be here or listen to this on demand later on or watch it on demand later on. And regardless of how you're consuming this or hanging out and interacting, I don't care. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. That said, remember, you can catch Starfield Pulse live every Monday at 8 p.m. or for the foreseeable future, Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, which will soon become standard here uh, in a few weeks when we jump. But for now, Daylight Time. We have hit 911. Couldn't make that number up if I tried. 911 followers on Twitch. Thank you so very much. And as I said that, I think that we just gained a new one. And now we're at 912, maybe? Regardless, thanks for the follow. I really appreciate it. And let's go on. So I was wondering if we were going to manage to break a thousand before the end of the month. And now I'm pretty sure, thanks to all your support, that that's not in question. We'll easily be able to make that milestone. So thanks for the first, you know, month of the show, really, six weeks. That's that's a nice accomplishment to hit. I appreciate it. Um, I had to take a last-minute road trip today during when I would normally compile my show notes. So this show might be a little bit of a hodgepodge, and if that's the case... I do apologize. I hope you forgive me. Uh, my son needed me to bring something down to him at college, so we went halfway. We brought him some things, and I'm back. But, you know, it took quite a bit out of my day, so hopefully uh, we'll still be able to cover the news and talk about some interesting things. That said, we had a giveaway that I promised. I promised it on the beginning of the month that we would do it on the 15th. I did not have a live show, and I was like, well, why don't I just wait and do the drawing? on air, right? So that way we can keep it all above board, fully transparent, people can see. I promised to give away, it was a upgrade. So for those of you that uh, don't already have, and it's for the Xbox, so it's an Xbox upgrade for Starfield. So if you don't already have the the premium edition, this is a premium upgrade, which will grant you the, all the pre-order bonuses, other than obviously you don't get the head start at this point, but you'll still get the expansion. You'll get the old Mars skin pack. You'll get some other little trinkets, and you'll get the art book and the soundtrack, which are actually really nice. So we'll go ahead and we'll do a drawing for that live on the show. Let me bring this up here real quick so everybody can see. All right. We have here a list of all of the subscribers and all of the YouTube channel members. And there are, and so I took out people that were gifted subs because I wanted the people that are actually put their own money down to be able to <laughs> win this. Uh, I see myself on here. I'm going to go ahead and remove that row. And I also see Starfield Pulse on here, which again is this channel. So I'm going to remove that row. And we, that leaves us with 48 people. So I'm going to go over here to random.org. I'm going to start at one, put a max of 48, and I'm going to have this randomly generate a number for us. And that 
number will be the winner. Number nine. It selected number nine. Let's go ahead and see who number nine is. Oh, that's the wrong sheet. Number nine is That Metal Chick. So That Metal Chick on Twitch. Check your DMs. All right. Thanks, Corso. I really appreciate that. So That Metal Chick, if you're listening to this or watching it, I will send you a DM. And when I hear back from you, I will send you the code. Close that random. Again, like I said, my notes are a little hodgepodge. Sorry about that. Um, what did we have next? All right, let's take a look at a couple cool ships that have cropped up over the week. And one of these is actually really funny and timely because I just watched Ghostbusters Afterlife last night. And I love that movie. It was only the second time I've seen it. It was it was a lot of fun. And turns out somebody just released Ecto-1. Ecto-1 the ship. I think this looks fantastic. You could totally... I mean, it's really the colors, right, and the length of the ship that kind of give it away, in my opinion. Um, I, but I knew what it was right away. Without, like, having any kind of comparison to go to, I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Ecto-1. Maybe if they could have figured out a way to get some kind of, like flashing lights or some more colorful top there might have helped just a touch but or if they were trying to keep it in line with the afterlife ecto-1 and not the earlier ecto-1 did a, those light blue lights because as you see there's a gif right here from it's either ghostbusters 2 or the first one there's multiple colors of lights there's blue yellow and orange but if you watch the ghostbusters afterlife it's really just blue as far as the lights that we see. So again, pretty cool job. And that was courtesy of Rad Ruck. Oh, Renee said, uh, Renee made this, but thanked Rad Rucks for walking a gal through shipbuilding. And it's Wreck It Renee on Twitter is their name. If you want to go give them a follow or a shout out or just tell them, hey, that looked great. Good job. Thanks for sharing that with us. The next one is the Planet Express by Prince Trunks 13. So I was never really a big Futurama guy. I just kind of, I don't know, like, I like The Simpsons too, um, but I guess I just never really got that into Matt Groening stuff. But anyways, if you like Bender, there you go. This is for you. Anyways, apparently that's a... Uh, a pretty cool one. Wanted to share that with you as well. That said, there's also some pretty interesting headlines that I saw going on this week. And, you know, we're at a point where we're finally getting legitimate articles pretty consistently. And I wanted to, this one had a really interesting headline that I thought was worth sharing, and it's Starfield on GeForce Now is among the best and worst ways to play. And I was like, hmm, okay. That one actually kind of interests me. I was like, how is it the best and the worst ways to play? Basically, it boils down to if you're using NVIDIA's GeForce Now, you get to tap into an RTX 4080 equivalent GPU, which, you know, is no slouch, right? That's a... That's a pretty good card. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's probably better than what most people are running at home. 
Uh, if not, congratulations. You got a pretty, uh, pretty amazing PC on your hands. But it does talk about that they still uh, have some issues. Like even with that, they're running the city of New Atlantis dipped down to 47 and 48 frames per second. One day they'll get that optimized, right? One day, maybe just not today. Uh, but in the cyberpunk core of Neon, I never saw it dip before, below 60 frames per second at 4K re- resolution and ultra spec, regardless of whether I simply walk through town or provoked a battle. It's so much smoother than their 5600X 3060 Ti desktop machine. Uh, and just real quick, this is written by Sean Holster, and this is in The Verge. I'll put links again to all the articles that we cover in the show notes. By default, GeForce Now sets the game to Ultra with FSR2 enabled at 75% render resolution. They got 70 to 80 frames per second in Neon's core that way, consistently 10 frames per second higher than the native resolution. On other worlds and in lighter firefights, my cloud gaming frame rate was far north of 60 frames per second at Ultra Spec. I still still do need to test on Masita 3, though. Right now, you're probably wondering about my headline. If it's so great, why is it also the worst way to play? How can it be best if high-end PCs run the game better? Well, some people might prefer to play this game handheld, and I'd take this experience over to Starfield on a Steam Deck or ROG Ally. With GeForce Now, you can stream to most any system you've got, and it's wild to see. But the minor tragedy of NVIDIA's GeForce Now is that you won't experience any of what I'm talking about unless you cough up cash first. I decided to give GeForce Now's free tier a try, too, and Starfield is basically unplayable that way. After sitting nearly half an hour waiting for the game to load, sync my cloud saves, and compile its shaders, I was greeted with graphics like this. And they are bad. And as you can see here, they're just, it's complete geometry. At looks like 18 frames per second being rendered, 52 frames per second being streamed, and a 35 millisecond ping. Not to mention a bunch of error messages. They said it was an embarrassment and be ashamed to put this free trial out in the world as a sample of cloud gaming. NVIDIA, do you really think this will convince anyone to pay? If you're interested and have good internet, I highly recommend you try the ultimate tier for a month and make sure to manually set your GeForce Now resolution to 4K, even if your monitor is only capable of 1440. NVIDIA's streaming quality is noticeably better when it's got more render resolution to work with. I saw all kinds of muddiness and jaggies at 1440p that utterly vanished at 4K. And if you're curious... It costs, I believe, $20 a month to rent one. So if you have a mid-machine, which no shame in that, you can, for $20 a month, rent a cloud machine from NVIDIA. But some of the caveats are you need to live somewhere that has pretty good internet infrastructure. This author, Sean, mentioned that they, they live and have... Uh, fiber optic internet one gig speed where they're at. So they're not pulling you know this down over a three megabit per second DSL line. And unfortunately, a lot of places uh, they're not just there yet. I I am I got I got gigabit internet. Love it. I would uh, highly recommend it if you uh, have it in your area. Um, it's great. But if you don't have it, then you know you really don't want to start doing things through the cloud. But hey. If capable, I think this is the biggest takeaway. If cloud gaming is available to you and you have high-speed internet over a fiber optic connection, 
it really may be one of the better ways to play some of these games that don't necessarily need an instantaneous ping. Especially if you have like a mid to low end machine. And you don't want to spend that much money to upgrade it. 20 bucks for one month. It's worth giving it a try. All right. So this headline came to us from Rock, Paper, Shotgun. And it says, The Starfield No Planets Run, Five Reasons Starfield is Genuinely, Indisputably Better as a Pure Space Sim. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Rock, Paper, Shotgun seems to have a pretty negative slant on Starfield in regards to everything I've seen. It's just, no matter what they do, uh, they just have something bad to say <laughs> about Starfield. Now, I'm not saying some of that's probably not earned, but this was before the game even came out. It was like everything they had was just something bad to say about it before they even really knew about it. So curious to see how this is going to spin. There comes a point in every diary playthrough when the comet of invention meets the cow pat of diminishing returns and the foot of agency meets the covet hedgehog of limited design. When fucking around meets finding not much out. I fear we are reaching that point with the life and times of Mary Reed, my Starfield character, and nowadays quite accomplished space pirate, who was sworn never to land on a planet ever again. Immediately after conquering the Chimera in Part 2 of the Starfield No Planet Run, I commandeered a UC Longsword 2 on the other side of the same system. I'm wondering if I caught this in the series of articles about them having this run. But anyways, let's, let's look at the reasoning behind this. Encumbrance. What encumbrance? Every now and then when Mary Reed fires up the old interstellar comms box and eavesdrops on planetary radio chatter, with particular attention to the doings of Starfield reviewers, it sounds like an absolute mess down there with the garbled talk of unhesitating story missions and butt plug cacti and worst of all, encumbrance limits that drain your O2, aka stamina, when you run while overloaded. Gosh, how irritating. That's the kind of nonsense somebody should have done away with around, oh, two Fallout games. Two Fallout games ago. Again, I think most of you know at this point my uh, feelings on their encumbrance system. They messed it up. Like, I get that encumbrance is should be there. I think that they just leaned way too hard into it. Well, Mary Reed doesn't have to worry about this because being a straight-edge spacer, she is rarely required to move large distances on foot. I'm not sure she's even walked more than 25 meters on one since leaving Earth. Plus, which, firefights within space often take place in zero-G. Cool, cool. Two, everything you need from planets is already in space. I really thought never entering a planet's atmosphere would impose fascinating constraints and spark a whole new idea of Starfield. But it turns out you can get access to all the role-playing and customization systems on space stations. You can rebuild and switch between the ships you've registered, buy and sell gear, steal from shops, and engage in fulsome dialogue with NPCs who are charmingly willingly to forget that you've just slaughtered the entire security staff because one of them made fun of you for wielding a particular make of shotgun. There are even quests up here three delete the planetary maps and outer space in starfield feels like outer space it's amazing how cohesive the universe becomes when you stay out of the atmosphere even though you still use fast travel to hop between orbits and solar systems the cinematic transitions feel slick rather than jarring partly because you can execute it from your ship's cockpit by aiming at a distant planet or system with scanner mode unless annoyingly there's a planet between you and the destination it's probably the cabin fever talking, but I want to offer up Starfield's astral volumes as proof that strict level or zone-based design is better for the player's attention span, and dare I say, their immersion. Okay. Four, it's the most sociable way to play. 
Some would have you believe that it's desperately lonely in space, that it's all but impossible to recruit companions and crewmates without setting foot on a planet, that solo pilots will eventually become crazed and do unspeakable things for want of human contact. Lies. Mary isn't lonely. You're the one who's lonely. Just look at all the friends she's made while hijacking spaceships. And there's a bunch of dead people in the spaceships. They're all a bunch of dead people. For those listening at home, (laughs) it's a bunch of screenshots of dead people. Five, spaceship hijacking is like hitting shuffle on a playlist of neat sci-fi dungeons. While the ship architecture does get old, the same astro kitchenettes, the same side room full of shelved oxygen cylinders that marks the point where the builder ran out of budget, the same faux-tivitational posters and whiteboards with chortlesome graffiti like I hate space, that's swiftly addressed by traveling to a solar system owned by another faction and sampling a new species of NASA punk. I just wish I didn't win every boarding action by finding a ladder and waiting at the bottom of it. Mary will return at least one last time. That's actually kind of funny. So, <laughs> I, I came into this thinking that he was basically just going to crap all over Starfield. And while he may have in a little bit, uh, he did it in a quite humorous and entertaining way. So, I'll allow it. Thank you, Edwin Evans Thurwill, news editor at Rock Paper Shotgun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading that article from you. Um. Here's something I wanted to touch upon, and that's why I've got this article pulled up, right? There was a little hullabaloo about Eurogamer not getting a review code at the same time as everybody else. And when I say everybody else, most of the people who got to review it. For some reason, they were left off. Um, I can't speak as to why. I don't know as to why, but I can tell you that when it comes to them deciding who to give review codes to, it's not as simple as just you have a large following, we're going to give you a code. They obviously have tiers and layers of people they're going to give codes to first. Are Do you feed in the Metacritic? Are you somebody that's reviewed our games favorably in the past? Well, if I'm working for some kind of marketing team or public relations team, that's what I'm looking at. If you've crapped all over our games in the past. Maybe we don't give you one right away. Hey, Nova. So potentially that could have been part of the reason why. I I don't know for certain. Uh, But regardless, there are reasons why you would or would not give some of the larger outlets keys. They did get one. It was just really close to the release. So they finally did get the review up. This came out a couple days ago. Uh, and they gave it three out of five stars. And you kind of kind of wonder, it's like, well, did they kind of know? Did they have a feeling that this would happen? Did they want to keep this out from the very beginning? Uh, with a headline like Starfield Review, a game about exploration without exploration, liminal space, is Eurogamer review bombing Starfield as retribution of not getting a key early? Uh, it seems like there is a lot of the larger outlets that are kind of coming down hard on Starfield that got keys late. You know, are they showing why they didn't get one to begin with? I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Uh, But to be clear, like, this is not new. There are certain outlets that do and don't get keys, um, depending on what game it is. Like, for example, I didn't get a review key for Starfield. But I did get a review key for Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, which is why uh, in about 10 minutes when I cut this podcast, that's what I'll be doing. (laughs) I won't be playing Starfield. I'll be playing Cyberpunk. So I can have a review ready for you when the embargo comes down. 
One thing I can talk about real quick, and I know this is a Starfield podcast, not a Cyberpunk podcast, but the 2.0 update, it's awesome. Super smooth. It puts a whole new emphasis on using cybernetics, and the cybernetics are fantastic. My guy is such a tank. I'm running around with heavy armor, high my uh, cybernetics are maxed at 20. My body, I think, is like 15. And I'm just walking through places with a shotgun, mowing people down. It's awesome. You're going to love it. So anyways, Ripper Docs are going to be your new best friend. Just don't piss them off. Because in fact, the first Ripper Doc I went to to do my <laughs> upgrades, he's like, no. He's like, no, I'm not helping you. <laughs> I was like, shit. So I had to go find a new one. Uh, so anyways... It seems to me like Eurogamer, and I'm not saying that they had sour grapes and that's why they gave it a bad score, but they did end up giving it a three out of five, which is equivalent of a six out of 10. And clunky, uh, didn't feel it was very explorative. Uh, I don't really have a list of pros and cons. They did write a very lengthy and in-depth review. So it's not like they just wrote like 10 words and said it sucked, right? They they really sat down here and I, I'm going to read this off air because this would probably, it's so long, take the rest of the time of the show. Uh, but let's see. We will read the summary, right? So, in this world, this mode of thinking that Bethesda occasionally seems to slip into with Starfield, where its ambition overrides its purpose, the technical capability is the game. 10,000 milk cartons modded into space. Look what it can do. But this is not a world I think Bethesda should be aiming to build, unless we want our games to play like that Matrix tech demo for Unreal Engine 5. Technology for technology's sake, or scale for the sake of scale, is a trap. In video games, like any other medium, the technical craft, however exquisite, exists to serve meaning, not to be it. In Bethesda, games in particular, that meaning comes from the form of a deeper submersion into new worlds, via the studio's ability to create a famously unparalleled and possibly absorbing sense of place. Note, for a blunt example, the way Bethesda's games are typically named after their settings over their people. Starfield's problem is a lack of one. It's a non-place, formless, joined entirely by menu screens and hyperlinks, replacing the almost divine sensation of direct experience. Rather than being built in service of presentness and a sense of place, Starfield is set entirely in their absence. Now, that said, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what they just said at the end here. I mean, they have a pretty good... Summary, there are some things I think that are missing from Starfield that are in most Bethesda games that really strive, that really, you know, motivate people to play that aren't present here because there is so much that's procedurally generated because it's so vast and it would be next to impossible for a person to fill all those without the game taking, you know, 30 years to make, um, but there's a, there's a sense of wonder that has been lost in some instances, I believe, because it's hard to be somewhere and see something. And, you know, this isn't my example. It's an example I've heard many times over. It's like, let's say there's a castle in the distance and you go and see that castle and there's a quest there and it's a cool quest line. You you can't just go tell your friend about that because that in Starfield, that's not going to happen for them. Whereas in like Skyrim or Oblivion or a Fallout or something like that, that wasn't the case. You could say, hey, I, I ran this really cool quest. You should go do this. And they could go do that. And you would have like that shared sense of experience where that's kind of missing from Starfield. So I think that's one of the, one of the things they were kind of leaning into with this Eurogamer piece. And yeah. Next one up we've got here, it comes from IGN, and it's Starfield's first loot cave is a puddle. <laughs> Here's one thing I'm not looking for more of in Starfield, and in all honesty, is loot. Like, I 
genuinely have so much loot that I don't know what to do with it all because of, like I mentioned, the encumbrance system <laughs> and my annoyance with it. Uh, yeah, so going to get, uh, going to find a puddle where I can immersion shepherd supplies, history of xenobiology, tales of space and time, Jake and the Inu part two, war of the worlds, credits, 2532. I guess, I guess that's a good way to just go ahead and get some credits. Um, so here's something you, you said, by the way, I'm throwing it all on my ship floor. If you go to redesign your ship after you put a bunch of um, decorations all throughout it, when you if you move anything on your ship from like the ship designer, it's going to put all of that into your storage. So, yeah, they need to find some something to address that because it 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 doesn't feel good. You you'll like take time to decorate your ship and as soon as you change anything or modify on it then all that just goes away that's that's not good it, not a lot of fun if you ask me on that part so hopefully they figure out a way to redesign that oh one other thing i wanted to show you speaking of mods by the way thanks to other rob who is one of the mods in here he went ahead and put my face in the game. So if you would like to have my face scare the bejesus out of your civilians, this is up on Nexus Mods, and you can find it there. And I will put a link to it in the show notes, uh, but I don't have it at the tip of my fingers just this second. And that, ladies and gentlemen, leads us to, like, we're, this just kind of blasted through tonight. I still have, like, 10 more stories I had keyed up, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. Uh, however, don't forget, you can always reach me at starfieldpulse at gmail.com. And, and for those of you that listen on Spotify, I usually put a question and a poll up to kind of get a feel for what everybody is up to. And last week, I put up, what did you choose for your background? And we had five responses. We had Ratchnitzer8, who said they were a chef. Samir, who chose Found Not Found for the added mystery of my character, also as a serpent's embrace. Liam said they chose Bounty Hunter. It was more of just a role-playing choice, but it was not disappointing for the skills. They found every skill very useful in the first mission, and Vanguard fights them. Norton said they chose Scoundrel, going for more dash render and less Han Solo. And then Mustafa Spawn said they also chose Scoundrel. And for the poll, I put, have you started New Game Plus yet? And there was 32 votes. And of those, only five said yes. So 27 still had not started New Game Plus, which is one of the reasons why we have not started to talk about New Game Plus or go into any of the really end game activities because so few people have got there. I don't want this a podcast to spoil anything for anybody yet. So it's still going to be like a week or so. And then we can potentially start talking about some of those things. Uh, but speaking of some of those things and games, you know, we're all gamers. We're not just, uh, and we probably play more than Starfield. I know I do. And if you don't, that's cool too. But just to let you know what I'm playing, playing Starfield, playing Mortal Kombat 1, by the way, fantastic. The story mode is crazy. It's like watching an episodic TV series with Mortal Kombat. It's fantastic. Like, it's 
the equality is amazing. Like I'm just kind of blown away. It's like if someone said, hey, these were like shorts on Netflix or something. I'd be like, okay, I buy it. Uh, Monster Hunter Now. It's a mobile game. Not a big mobile game player. Don't know that I've ever spent a penny on it. But it's made by Niantic. The same people did Pokemon Go. Not a big Pokemon Go fan. But I am a big Monster Hunter fan. So this one actually pulls in some of the feel of killing those bigger, badder monsters to collect parts to make gear to kit yourself out and kill bigger, badder monsters. And it's a fun little loop. So, you know, if you got a phone in your pocket, like the Diablo guy said, all of us do, right? And you're looking for something to do, check out Monster Hunter now because it is a fun time. And like I mentioned earlier, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. Uh, again, I can't talk about the, fan the Phantom Liberty stuff itself yet, but I can say the 2.0 update is awesome. Uh, it's great. In fact, I'll have some videos up on that uh, the 21st. So look for that then. Uh, thanks for all. Uh, That's all for now, folks. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, to like and leave a nice comment. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, please leave a comment and a review. And if you're listening to this on your second favorite podcast app because you can't find it on your first favorite podcast app, email me and let me know what I'm missing. Again, that's starfieldpulse at gmail.com. I'm Rob. Thanks for watching. For all into the Starfield.